Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Uh, I have a friend who is a Manchester City supporter. It could have been worse, could have been the other lot. But anyway, when he goes to watch Manchester City, for the uninitiated, they've just won the Premiership. Um, when he goes to see Manchester City, he has a certain set of expectations. And those expectations are quite obvious. Lots of goals, lots of celebration and a win. Now, Andrea, my wife, and I also go to watch football. We go to Elland Road to watch Leeds United. We also have a set of expectations. They are different to my friend who supports Manchester City. But I have a question for you. What were your expectations when you walked through that door tonight? What did you expect? What were you looking forward to? What did you think was going to happen? Because our expectations mould how we respond sometimes. And I want to ask, what do you think the disciples were expecting from that word we heard just now? Now let's step back. Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, Jesus is sat with the disciples and he says to them, you need to wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Now none of us like waiting, do we? And they respond and they say, Lord, is it now you are going to bring the kingdom back to Israel? And you kind of wonder if Jesus sat there and went, working on it, working on it, work in progress. And he said, no, no, look, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You'll receive power and you will be my witnesses. Now, the, word, the Greek word for power is dunamis. It's the same word, the root word for dynamite. So if that gives you a, a, a feel. And it's a power, but it's not a power that, that we own in ourselves. That's not for us. It's a power to do something. It's a power for a purpose. And of course, Jesus says, you will receive power to be my witnesses. That's that's the deal. It's a power for a purpose. In Luke 5, Jesus, Jesus is ministering, and it says, the power of God was with him to heal the sick. You with me? So, power with him to do something. Power to witness. There has to be an outpouring. Now, I'm going to make Dan really upset now. We have a friend who owns a Ferrari F50. 517 brake horsepower for your purposes. Um, And this is a beautiful red Ferrari. 
It wasn't designer woods. It was, it's lovely. It's gorgeous. But it's totally useless. Unless you turn the ignition on and put your foot on the gas. You with me there? It looks fantastic. But actually, it's pointless. It's a pointless explanation of power without putting your foot on the accelerator and making it do stuff. Power has to have a purpose. And that's why the Holy Spirit's coming. Now, let's look at the text. So they're in the house, disciples gather together, and an event takes place that rocks their world. Is it or is it not, do you think, within their expectations? I'm guessing there was a bit of a surprise. Because we're told there was a sound like, like the blowing of a violent wind. And then in verse 3 we're told what seemed to be fire coming down from heaven that landed upon all of them. Now, Acts is written by Luke, okay? And to be fair to Luke, he's a bright bloke, he's a doctor, but he's struggling. And he's struggling to describe an experience that is a totally unique experience. It's never happened before. Yes, sure, in the Old Testament, the, the Lord had come in by spirit at various points. But this is the Holy Spirit coming, as Jesus had promised, and staying. He's staying. And we're told they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is now a reality. They'd only dreamt of it before. Now, this is a reality. And way more than they were expecting. Now, we're told in Jerusalem, there were God-fearing Jews from all over the known world. So this, this happens. This happens to the disciples. Boom. Doors blown off. You know, get away from this idea You've seen it in some paintings, actually. I don't know if you've seen these paintings where they've like got little candles on their heads. It's not, it's not a candle. It, it's total chaos, okay? Godly chaos. And the crowd gathers, and the word used there, the Greek word used, is, is like bewilderment. They're completely thrown up in the air. They're, they're completely confused by what's happening. And so a crowd gathers. Now, bear in mind, the disciples are indoors. So whatever happened was big enough and awesome enough for the folks who were nipping into town for their morning, you know, smoked salmon bagel to stop and say, well, what's going on here? Well, what was it? What, what, what it was, was that each of them heard in their own language, Greek word dialectos, it's where we get the word dialect from, Individual dialects in the language in which they were born. Now this is important because in terms of of that number of people, they are hearing the gospel. They are hearing the wonders of God, we are told, in their own language. Now, in England, it's estimated that we have about 
40 different dialects. Well, remember that list? And they're all hearing in their own language. Now, Luke's now struggling for superlatives, okay? So next we've got utterly amazed. Fair enough. And then, but these are Galileans. Right. First century Jerusalem was not known for being politically correct, all right? Just want to get that clear now. Galileans were the butt of jokes. You know, are you stupid? Are you a Galilean? They were seen as, as kind of almost the outcasts. The, the, these country bumpkins who, you know, they're uneducated, can't be educated. You remember Nathaniel's comment? Can anything good come out of Galilee? And now these people are hearing the word of God in their own language. We're told, very bravely read, by the way, in that, in that list, that's 15 or 16 national groups, the known world. Now, if you add into that maybe the same number of dialects, 40 times 15, every one of them is hearing the word of God, the wonders of God, in their own language. Now, you do the maths... There's only 12 disciples. What is going on? This is something quite remarkable. Verse 12, Luke says, amazed and perplexed, he's run out of superlatives at this point, amazed and perplexed, they said, what can this mean? This has so blown their expectations that they're stunned. It absolutely rocked their world. But some made fun of them and said, these people are drunk, they've had too much wine. I just want to pause there for a second because as we were praying earlier and some friends of mine are praying this morning we were conscious of the fact that and we felt the Lord leading us to the fact that there are there are folk here who you yourselves get grief, get hassle for being Christians The fact is, whenever something remarkable happens, there will always be those who are on the defensive. There will always be those for whom their default position is to mock. And if you're subject to that, I want to encourage you tonight to stick with Jesus. And you'll see why as we go through this. When we worship, it, we, we make an emotional response. 
And curiously, my Manchester City friend finds it bemusing that we worship in the way we do. And yet he's quite happy to go to see the football and scream and shout and wave his arms about. And they're a football team. They are not God. Well, they, they may have different views, but trust me, they are not. And yet they're quite happy for that. And, and I'm concerned that if, if that's you, hang with it. Because the power in Jesus' name is awesome. And he's calling you to do that. In the early days, um, after I'd been at Vicar College, there's a whole bunch of us. We, we kind of went all over the country um, just to get rid of us. And, um, and we've been very heavily involved in, in ministering the power of the Holy Spirit. And the churches we went to, we continued to do that. Now, I, I was absolutely blessed by an amazing vicar that I worked with who, who was fantastic, so supportive. He was brilliant. And we ran a series of courses where we prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we engaged in ministry and evangelism and prayer for healing and all that sort of thing. And a local vicar contacted him and his parting words to Bill were, of me, about me, don't worry, he'll get over it. One of my friends had it slightly worse. One of the vicars where he was, in the southwest, said, don't worry, eventually you will become more theologically mature. But a couple of theology degrees down the line, I'm not sure I ever got any more theologically mature. But more importantly, and I put this to you as a thought, at the point when you and I go and meet the Lord face to face, and he says to you, so what did you do with what I told you to do? Make disciples, all that stuff, pray for the sick. I suggest that the answer, well, Lord, I became a bit more theologically mature, is probably not going to cut it. Could be wrong, but I don't think it will. Because we're called to minister. That's what God calls us to do, and we're called to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if that's you, if you are afraid, if you are mocked, if you are under pressure as a Christian, hang in there. The Holy Spirit will empower you to walk through that. In 40 years on, it made no difference to me. I'm still here. Three groups of people. Three groups of people in this story. You've got the disciples. Now, basically... They don't need any convincing about the Holy Spirit at this point. Yeah? They've got it. They understand. This is a life-changing experience. The second group are those who are 
are watching and, and are kind of asking questions. What can this mean? What's going on? Tell us more. And then you've got that third group. The mockers, if you like. So Peter and the disciples, Peter, the same Peter who six weeks earlier had denied Jesus, even knowing him, had denied him three times, stands up and proclaims the gospel. And he starts by dealing with the mockers. Right, it's nine o'clock in the morning. We're not drunk. Now listen. And then you will notice he then uses scripture. And he uses this amazing prophecy from Joel. And he tells them, he makes it clear to them that what's happening is a fulfillment of that prophecy. I will pour out my spirit upon you. Your young women and young men will prophesy. That's you. Notice, young men and women. Your young men will have visions. Your old men will have dreams. The power of the Holy Spirit is beyond their wildest dreams. It's beyond their expectations. So again, what did you expect when you came here tonight? What do you expect God to do? Anything? So it ends. And Peter makes his speech, amazing speech. And quite understandably, they say, brothers, what, what do we have to do? How do we, how do we respond to this? And then there is this fabulous kind of gospel in two verses. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you, for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's you and me. We're it now, today. And it's a promise. And you not might receive the Holy Spirit, not could receive the Holy Spirit if, if you're clever enough or if you're smart enough or if you're well-behaved enough. Or He doesn't say that. The requirement is to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And you will, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, it wasn't a bad day at the office. Verse 41, 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. Now look around, that's about 20 times what we've got here. That's quite a good service, isn't it? And you know what? I don't think even Peter was expecting that. But our God is a God who exceeds our expectations. 
We don't receive the Holy Spirit because we're well qualified. We don't receive him because we're older. Some of the most amazing people I've worked with on prayer ministry teams have been 14, 15, 16 years old. And God works powerfully through them. We receive the Holy Spirit because we open our hearts and want to minister with him. That's all it is. Power for a purpose. I'm going to tell you about my mum. She's passed away now. But when she was 12, my, my grandparents had no Christian connections at all. Didn't go to church. Thought all church people were weird. I got ordained before one of them died. That was really serious. Um, but, but my mum, at the age of 12, concluded that the Bible might be quite an interesting thing to read. She's 12. So she starts at Genesis 1 and reads it. All the way. Old Testament stuff. Interesting. Okay. We get to Jesus and the Gospels and... Halfway through, she gives her life to Jesus. On her own, in her bedroom, aged by now 13. She gets to Acts and reads this, we've read tonight, and thinks, that's all right. And prayed. And was filled with the Holy Spirit. And spoke in tongues. 1936. For those who think revival's something new, it really isn't. She wasn't educated, she wasn't old, she wasn't all those things. But she went on to lead a ministry of prayer that was awesome because the power had a purpose wasn't in a service it was just on her own in a minute we're going to pray and I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit comes and fills us again why do we need filling again well hopefully because we leak it may be for the first time that's great it may be for the hundredth time that's great as well but the purpose of receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit is to do stuff it's to minister it's to witness it's to pray and that receiving the Holy Spirit happens very differently to very different people for me the first time this happened was very peaceful quiet it was actually other people who noticed. For you, it will be whatever God chooses for you. But as we pray, what do you expect to happen? Because my expectation is that we're going to stand here and pray, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come, and my expectation is he'll turn up. Yeah? 
So whatever you expect tonight, whatever you expected when you walked in, God has the power to exceed your expectations and my expectations. The disciples are now living a reality, a reality that throughout history left you and I here. The same Holy Spirit, the same God who wants to empower you and I to witness, to pray, to minister. My expectation is he can do that. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.